Hey guys, it's your girl Mala. And it's your girl Rini, and you're tuned into Big Chat with Mala and Rini. Hi guys, this is your girl Mala, and on this week's episode of Big Chat with Mala and Rini, we are discussing black mental health, you know, and our special guest is Mrs. Gabrielle Jackson, a licensed social worker. And just to give y'all a little background about Gabby, um, she's a licensed clinical social worker and therapist in Washington, D.C. She's originally from Trinidad and Tobago, and her purpose and passion is the mental and emotional well-being of the Black community with an emphasis on Black immigrants. She is also the co-founder and co-executive director of the Undocu Black Network, a multi-generational network of currently and formerly undocumented Black immigrant people with a focus on advocacy, organizing, and narrative building and shifting of this community, all from a mental wellness perspective. She has her own private practice called Diasporic Healing, LLC, and her specialty there is empowering people of immigrant and first-generation experiences to move through this world in their most full and unapologetic selves. When Gabrielle has free time, she is spending time with her family, reading books, watching fantasy or mystery TV series, and hugging trees with her one-year-old daughter. So take a listen to this episode. It's really good. Thanks, guys. Just going to mention about, you know, the thing, you know, you saying that the mental health is it's going to be the next big thing. It actually has really skyrocketed even in, in the midst of the pandemic. And so what you noticed around the pandemic was that before we were placed on stay-at-home home orders, it was like this, everybody was on the go. Like we live in a society that is based in production and capitalism and this idea of being able to do and be always like always engaged in something and it was on the go. Everybody always had something to do. Everybody had full schedules. And what the mm-hmm. stay at home orders did was forced you to be home in your own small space for a long period of time and really reflect on like, what have you been doing with your life? <laughs> like, like you, you now the things that you, you like your everyday life, the way you move, the way you function was no longer as is. So you experienced this all one, you experienced a lot of loss in terms of just like my life with the way it was. And then mm-hmm. you, people are actually experiencing, you know, loss of people in their lives, loss of through death, through loss of connection, mm-hmm. through loss of like, it wasn't just this idea of like being distanced from each other, you know, physically, it was also like socially, how are you engaging? And so people are home and a lot of people, this uptake of people who were like, you know, What's my job like? Do I even like my job? My job is requiring me of this at this point in time. Do they not understand like what's going on in this moment? How are we, how are people looking at each other? Are people even like respecting? Like why don't people pay attention to the fact that the whole pandemic is like all these questions are coming up and they're second like questioning what does their life mean at this point and what do they want mm-hmm. out of this? What does being in a normal mean again? Like do are we going to ever have normal? And what is a new normal? Do we even want something to go back the same? So the uptick would be noticed like several people have reached out for uh for like to talk to a therapist like number of people have been reaching out people previously who had been engaged in therapy before 
realizing that in this moment, things have shifted so much that they need to talk to somebody and process it really quick. I, I have had numerous referrals that have happened in like a two week time span because of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so question that I have for you, because um, I know you're a licensed social worker. Yeah. Right? Yes. So, um, have you seen, especially with um, adults who have kids who, you know, schools are closed or whatever, have you seen, like, more parents asking for help, whether it be, like, just someone to talk to because they're trying to figure out school and then trying to figure out work for themselves and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's definitely been, so there's, there's the, here's the mixed bag about it. Being at home where you have all your responsibilities placed into one place. So you are a partner, you're a parent, you might be a caregiver for another adult, either an elderly adult or somebody else in the household, whatever. And then you got to work and make sure that you live and make sure that you can afford rent. And if you lost your job, then there's like idea of like, what are you going to do? And what you're seeing is that people are trying to figure things out and realizing that there's not enough time in the day. Again, before we would like, we were always on the go. Now here, it's like, there's a difference in how on the go looks. Like, what does a schedule even mean? And people trying their absolute best to really like have a schedule and then realizing that they have to give themselves grace. Like this idea that people had in the beginning was that they were gonna have their kids on this major, like very specific type of schedule in order to move and function. They realized that, that their children are also stressed out as a result of the fact that they have to have this specific routine and that their children, while like as adults, their children, um, adults are too, but the children also re- like processing, like it's a whole change of life. Like all of they've known for like whatever few years have been on this world, this world. And so this idea of like, how do I keep like and maintain, oh, going to school, focusing on on like quote unquote responsibilities. And so parents are finding themselves to be like, you know what, maybe I do need to talk to somebody. The other side of it though, is people just like, like this, you know, like so overwhelmed with adding another another thing to their plate, they might see reaching out as another responsibility to keep to. So there's this mixed bag of people who are either doing one or the other. They, they'll try their best. They'll try to figure out some other thing. But you are seeing more people trying to find ways to just manage and reaching out to be able to say, hey, at the very least, I, what I need is an outlet to talk a bit about what's going on in the pandemic. I need an outlet to talk about all the unrest and the uprisings that are occurring and how I feel as a result of seeing and being exposed to the violence occurring among Black people. Like you're seeing more of that by um, outreach because of it. Yeah, because I know, like, for me, um, yeah, it was, it, it wasn't an easy transition for me, yeah. because one, the, the way that they teach at school is not how, like, about math and English yeah. and stuff like she goes to a charter school and they have this whole different curriculum and I'm like, y'all don't even teach the kids like sentence structure, but you expect them to read mm-hmm. on some scholarly level, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if I asked my daughter, what is a noun? She couldn't tell me which one was a noun or which one was a verb, but you want her to, you want her to be this scholar when it comes to reading. So now I'm taking the time and I'm having to break it down like, okay, 
sentence structure. You have a noun and you have a verb. You have action verbs. You have, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, why do I send her to school if I have to? This just showed me um, I definitely can be a homeschool teacher because things that I thought that she would have been learning, I'm having to double back and make sure that she understands what she's doing. And go back to the basics. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, I'm dealing with a newborn baby who's waking up every couple of hours. And then I'm dealing with um, going back to school because I'm taking classes for my master's, you know? So it was just like, and then I still have to balance being a wife because I have to be good and my husband has clean clothes and has something to eat and my house is clean and stuff like that and I'm just like yo this is crazy this is crazy there have been many sleepless nights yeah and many cups of coffee Mm -hmm. to just make it through yeah and And then on top of that I was dealing with my aunt who had dementia Mm. you know so I'm dealing with making sure she's okay and then she's in a nursing home and then we couldn't visit her. So like that was like another level of stress because I'm like, all right, I can't see her. I'm not, I don't know what's going on. And then boom, she starts to deteriorate yeah. and then she passes away during a pandemic. And I'm like, okay, now she's gone. We couldn't celebrate her life the way we wanted to. We couldn't have the... I mean, we had a nice funeral, but it could have been better. Because we... Like, when someone dies, you want your family and your close friends around to comfort you, you know? Her best friend for over six years couldn't come. Because... She lives in Antigua. When she goes back home, that's another issue she has to deal with with quarantine and stuff like that back home. So it was just like, it was just so much going on. And it was just a stressful. The last four months for me has just been like, whoa. Yeah. But one thing I can say for me coming out of it is like starting this podcast. We started this podcast back in April. And it's been something that we we've talked about, but no action was really done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, I was forced to sit down and say, "What am I really doing?" Like, okay, yes, I am a mother, I am a wife, I am a student, I'm a sister, I'm a caregiver, whatever. But what what else am I? And I felt yeah. like, what better time to start doing this than now? Yeah. Even if it meant taking 30 minutes to an hour out of my day to, to do it, why not, you know? Right. I feel that such on a personal level. Like, you, you mentioned so much. So, like, just even going back to, like you said, you have, you have a, a child that's in elementary school, but also a newborn. And my child is, is no longer in the newborn stage. My child is, is a toddler at this point. But even even pre-pandemic like what it means to go through that shift that's a big transition to have a child to add another person to your life and so um you and some other people that i know um even family and friend networks also had children you know you know right around the pandemic and like the onset of of it in particular like and have had to you know go through what it means to have a child during this time frame and you already 
experience a big shift anyway. And so now you're doing it in the midst of life not being in a norm. Like, you you know, going to appointments, right. being able to go outside for walks, whatever it is you wanted to do that you felt like you would be able to do as a, as a new parent, that doesn't even work. And then you mentioned also, you know, caring for somebody who is has a has an illness that eventually led to, to losing them and them dying during the actual pandemic so being able to celebrate life and like grief and what it looks like it it's very very different and so mm-hmm. before the pandemic you'd have been like okay you know I I know what things look like you you under you you, you even if you were new to things you knew that people had an understanding of how to function as a new parent, as how to function as a caregiver for somebody, how to function if somebody had, you know, you lost somebody in your life and somebody died and you had to, you know, take care of those, those, pulling those things together. But when we're in a pandemic, <laughs> everything that you knew is no longer mm-hmm. the same. So you now have to put the extra yeah. energy to figure all that stuff out. And, and, and energy in terms of like new thinking, like new ideas, what like what's going to be the different options at this point? What can I do? What's actually within my capacity? And so I, I on this intimate level, I feel I like I feel that so much And as somebody who is a parent to a child who loves being outside, like being outside is, and being able to feel like I could have her be safe. I was, you know, I wanted her to be able to play outside and and that wasn't an option so what was my option to be able to make sure and care for her and make sure she feels safe and that she is not affected by what's happening she definitely she definitely has um i i've noticed that she she knows something is going on something is different Mm -hmm. she knows we Mm -hmm. don't go outside more regularly she's almost two right you know but like yeah she knows that things are different and so she and herself and her like very you know uh, she's a trooper because that she adjusted and you know it, it made right. me feel kind of sad that that's the adjustment that she had to experience so early in her life and me trying to make sure that I instill some level of ability for her to be able to feel like she could be carefree and carefreeness in this time is is so like lim- limited and so how do I mm-hmm. as a parent you know be able to make her feel like she can experience her own childhood and you know and and just you know like as somebody who has these multiple responsibilities too, just being able to say like, oh my gosh, my time feels so stretched, but what am I doing with myself? And so, you know, me being in private practice, it's something that I have been thinking about for years. Like when I say like 10 plus years, I've been telling myself, you know, mm-hmm. I've been doing the work in so many different ways, but 10 plus years I've been having this idea of being in private practice. And it was actually shortly after the stay home orders, I was like, you know what? This is actually the time. Like people are actually reaching out, and people are yeah. in need. And there's a place that my role in this movement and my role in this moment is actually being being able to ensure access to healing. And I'll play this small role by doing this as well. And so, be, just being able to say like, "This is my part." Like, yeah, I feel that totally <laughs> in so many ways. I uh, yeah. So let's talk about that. So, um, yes, you started your own private practice called Diasporic Healing, LLC. So can you just, like, elaborate a little bit more on what you do? Yeah. So, it, and so, yeah, um, in, in my vision, in my, in, in my belief system, ultimately, is that we could win everything that we need 
opportunity that we will be released from the both the external and internalized systems of oppression that we have experienced. We could be released of all these things, but if we're not healed and we're not, we don't have access to healing and we're not working on actively being part of the healing process, if that's a win, we, we won't really have won. And so my commitment in private practice is really working with people to to be able to know that they that this part of themselves, their mental health, the emotional health that they have, that is raw well-being. So I, I look at people from the like holistic perspective of like all the different parts of you, and what are all the different parts of you, and what is work on. But I look at it from this idea. If you are a person has strengths and has these qualities about yourself that actually plays a role in being able to, to in the empowerment process. And so being able mm-hmm. to know that that's something you could you can and should and should be looking at, this idea of being able to engage in healing from the inside out. And so it means tackling, like I said, those internalized things around like oppressive um, emotions, uh, behaviors, actions, and also finding the balance that you want for yourself and what does balance mean for you? Not what, what balance is defined by society. What does it mean for you? And how do you in- implement that level of change? And most of the people that I work with because of my background and expertise is is people who are actually immigrants and people who are first generation Americans. Um, so mm-hmm. people who are um, whose parents are, are immigrants. And so it's this battle of an understanding like culturally we have to understand what it means to live in this world um, yes. and, and respect that culture as well. But also, you know, like like I said, culturally, we have to understand what it means to be in this world, to be an immigrant in the United States, to be a family member who is directly impacted by the things that are going on in the environment. We need to understand those things to be able to have a really strong conversation about what it is and what we can do. A lot of us feel disembodied, disaffected, like and, and, and you know, affected by what's going on in the world and we feel like this disconnect like what can what am I able to do and the fact is there's a lot you can do but what can we do that what can we find that's actually what you want and within your capacity mm-hmm. and that understanding that person's culture that understand that person's background how they move and how they function and understanding like what's going to work for them and addressing again these ideas yeah. that you might have learned is the you know the the things about what you your belief systems around what it means to be black in America and ad- addressing again these internalized racism, internalized isms, internalized phobias, and using that as being able to be make an access a pathway towards your healing. Awesome. I mean, I know. Okay, I know. Like in our community, you know, Caribbean community, Black American communities, we we like to downplay mental health. Mm-hmm. It's only like if somebody goes off, you're like, oh, yeah, they're crazy. You know what I'm saying? I know growing up in New York City, I don't know, Shireen, do you remember if somebody was crazy, you hear people say, oh, you, oh, they going to Bellevue or they were mm-hmm. at Bellevue. You know what I'm saying? Or even in Antigua, yep. if someone was crazy, you just hear, oh, they went crazy house. Mm-hmm. Ask me what the name of the crazy house if is. I really don't know. I just know it's crazy house. I know where it is. Yeah. I just don't know the name of it. You know what I'm saying? But it's not until like someone breaks that that's when that person is labeled crazy. Mm-hmm. But 
any other issues like if you're depressed about something if um you feel like you don't have like no self sense of worth or anything like that it's always oh you know you should pray about it just pray to god about it and i feel like for my parents generation and those before because they're so used to hearing pray about it pray about it pray about it when they hear people saying like yeah i go to a therapist it's like why you going to a therapist you're not crazy mm-hmm. it's like i don't have to be crazy to seek help i need someone to talk to i need another outlet and i prayed about it and I keep praying about it and it's not working for me and I feel like God is leading me to seek professional help and I feel like they don't get it in some ways I mean I've never like professional help but I do talk to other people that wouldn't necessarily know like what's going on in my situation just to get like a fresh you know fresh eyes to see it from their perspective kind of thing yeah you know I mean if I could just interject for a moment sorry guys um like I know specifically with what Jamola was just talking about that um like I have family members in Antigua that are mentally ill and if they were here I know that their lives would be totally different but because they're not for many years it was just like that's just how they are there's no seeking treatment there's no speaking to someone about it it's just like oh they were born that way and so now when I speak to them it's just like like I have a cousin that is significantly delayed um but I mean he is able to work but sometimes when I hear him like talk to me or I can tell that if he was here maybe he would have gotten more help better treatment yeah it literally breaks my heart because it's just like like what quality of life is he really getting to have because he basically just works and comes home and I mean I think he got a girlfriend which you know in Antigua it ain't hard but it's just like it's like you just think about the aspects of it and how it really touches your life like when we were growing up as kids I just thought that he always like laughed a lot like I didn't think of anything of it but now I mean mental health is so many Uh different things and they just label everything as crazy it's not like they don't have a specific like oh this person Mm -hmm. is dyslexic or this person has a behavioral disorder it's not any of those things it's literally just oh that person's crazy oh we just leave them to their own to their own devices and there are a lot of people walking around Antigua that are like that people that they let into parties that just walk the streets every day and are literally Mm -hmm. mentally ill and it sucks and it's just like I know exactly like how you feel about that whole pray about it statement I'm gonna have a moment of transparency here it it kind of irritates me sometimes when when someone tells me that because I feel like you don't want to engage deeper my issue or yeah or or like in order for me to really push through it and talk about it I don't know if the person wants to go there and I don't even know if I want to go there but when someone just goes well you know just pray about it and then they leave it at that like they're not going any deeper I just go all right well that's it for this conversation and I just kind of like I get it some people are not equipped to have that Mm -hmm. conversation they're not equipped to deal with my issues 
as I may think I need them dealt with. Right. But I know that if I went and told my family members, like, I'm going to go to therapy, they would just see it as me telling you. Right, right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, but then it's my it's my Mm -hmm. business to tell at the end of the day. And I mean, like, I have pseudo therapists, like I have fake therapists in my life. I have have a person like, you know, you sometimes you just need a person that you can literally just be like, listen, this is what's going on in my life. This is how I'm feeling about it. And they will objectively, subjectively, whatever the case is, tell me exactly what they think about the situation. And sometimes that is all I really needed. I need someone Mm -hmm. to listen and then tell me, Mm -hmm. pull my head out my butt. (laughs) Or tell me that they understand why I'm stuck in a specific cycle or why I'm not letting go of certain behaviors or certain people or certain things that I know I need to do because I know that I have to do it like I can literally tell myself everything that I need to do should do the problem is I won't do it that's just I don't listen I don't listen to myself I really don't always listen to other people like I have a I'm hard-headed in that way because of how it affects me emotionally like I don't want to, I don't want to carry the emotional baggage anymore. But I also n- don't want to take the steps to let it go. It's like I'm just in a tug of war with myself a lot of times. So it's like I can, I can definitely see how a lot of people in the Caribbean or even here are just trying to learn how. Yes, you're Caribbean, but you're also you're still black. It's all all black, and when people see you. They can't see your Caribbean. They can't see. They really can't tell what you are unless you decide to open your mouth and say or you dig deeper and, you know, do DNA or whatever to really know what we don't even know mostly what we are. Like, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm a a person of color, whatever. I'm black, blah, blah, blah. I'm Caribbean. I'm Antiguan. But then I could do a DNA analysis and find out I'm Irish or Spanish or like... You can be any, yeah, you can be any, you can be a whole <laughs> gambit of things. And then Indian. once you know that, yeah, then it becomes, do I want to engage all these different right. pieces of culture that literally live in me? It's so much to really contemplate and definitely being home and quarantined right. makes you feel like you are kind of stuck with yourself and also stuck with the people in your life. And sometimes looking around, it's like, do I, why, why do I keep mm-hmm. these people around me? Like, well, what am mm-hmm. I, is any of this healthy? Like, sometimes you really are stuck, you're forced to face, face exactly. your life. Exactly. Like, and what it's is just, there? It's maddening. It's crazy. All the times when I would have been like, okay, well, right. I don't feel like being home. I don't want right. to deal with any of this stuff. I'm going to a bar, mm-hmm. out the window. I'm going to the movies to get my mind off my life, out the window. All of the distractions that we had out the window. All that stuff was null and void. And so now you're just like, I am, I am stuck. Yep. Like I'm home. This it. Now what do I do? <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> yeah. And I'm still right. trying to stay busy. Like I'm I'm still doing things. Like right now I am doing hair. I'm also working from home. I am a spouse. I I just try, you just want to try to do everything in your power to not say that you wasted the time that you were here. And I think that that's what it really boils down to. Like, I want to, I don't want to look back and be like, I wasted, because I can already say that. And I'm only in my 30s and I can already look back and go, I 
wasted time for this amount of years. So having the time now to look back at this. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just like so and so like when when Jamala um, mentions like within the broader black community and within the Caribbean community in particular, like just like you, you, what you Shereen said about like you telling your people your business when you go to therapy and this idea that it can't be somewhere that is uh, safe and uh, like confidential space and that that person is more so to be able to help you process what's going on in your life and find new avenues and maybe new perspectives and that this idea that that therapy so what we have to we really do need to reflect on as part of the fact around therapy is how how therapy and the baseline of what we learned about therapy as black people is that it's white people stuff that it is eurocentric white that that's what white people do they do that kind of stuff and that that isn't for black people that's what we've been taught we also have an understanding that the baseline behind the understanding that we have behind psychology psychiatry social work a bunch of these things that are quote unquote the helping field how damaging they have been for black communities in diaspora on the global scale what they did how they tested medical like medical testing psychological testing how they how they coded us like you know the idea that if you were running away from slavery that you had an actual like a a, a disease a psychological disease like the idea is that yep. some of that stuff is deeply ingrained in how what have we have been taught about therapy what we have been taught about mental health and so it, t- it takes the being able to have that yep. level of understanding to be able to so that you can break those chains of this idea that you only pray because for some people, like you mentioned, prayer is passive. Like there, t- prayer is an actual tool that people can, people do and can use to be able to uplift and engage themselves. And and this level of being able to have access to faith, faith in a broader thing, faith in a higher mm-hmm. power, faith in something beyond is actually quite quite a, a healthy thing. It's the fact that when people look at it as this passive way of being able, well, that's what it is. It's the only way you can deal with it. And it's like, we know, we know about like faith without works. That don't, you know, faith without works don't work. Like there has to be some active level while you're on this earth of what you're going to do to be able to take care of yourself and the people around you. We also know that what people don't realize about mental health is that people have been for generations, have been engaging in mental and emotional health practices for generations they just didn't code it as mental health people look at mental health as just therapy or psychiatry and all that kind of stuff but the fact of the matter is we've been sharing teas and herbs and having small spaces to talk with each other open up time with each other we've been doing all these things which are all practices around mental health and so people like we we haven't connected the dots yet and that's that's what i hope to do when i'm in conversation Mm -hmm. with folks and so outside of my private practice, what I have done is I wrote a curriculum and I called it the Alive and Well Discussion Series when I wrote it because it was like, you know, it's important that we are, we are able to be alive and to survive, but also I want us to be well. And this idea of this pathway to liberation and this idea of this pathway to freedom for ourselves is not just the physical state of ourselves, but actually our mental and emotional health of ourselves. And what I wrote in this curriculum was getting people who are on this peer level, people who are not in the clinical aspect. If you want to be access this thing on this clinical aspect because you're a clinician, that's fine. This is really to speak to my people on this level, on this peer-to-peer level that let's have some serious conversations about what mental health means. And so the curriculum includes this understanding of like, what are some practices that we have been doing for generations? What does it mean to be a black immigrant in America? What what is the experience that people experience in migration in this idea of like, what what is the reality and the expectations that you had when you decided, when, when you were moving? Like what forced you to move? 
uh, this idea of like what it means to really be in therapy. What is internalized oppression? What is anti-blackness? Like all of these conversations that we need to have amongst ourselves. Because ultimately, part of breaking these chains, part of breaking these cycles is having an understanding. And some of it was that we were restricted from it and held away from it. But now are we playing a role in restricting that access to ourselves? Are we telling ourselves that we don't have power to be able to take that back? And so, like, like I said, like this idea of like, we don't do these things, we have to acknowledge, yeah, for the, for the longest, it was this idea of white people stuff because white people were the ones who really played their role in being a developer in it. Black people though, we have been doing things for generations. People of the diaspora, we've been doing things for generations that to care for ourselves. We have systems of community. Shireen mentioned having somebody who's a, a pseudo therapist. What you mentioned is the idea of a support system. You mentioned the idea that right. people around right. you who are important to you that you can rely on and connect to but that it also is a reciprocal relationship that person is able to look to you and say hey these are the things that you can work on if you think about it and so the idea is that there's levels to mental health it isn't just having this therapist it isn't just having this particular clinician there's ideas of being able to you to have a support system the support system is who you live with every day the therapist you might see for an hour like for a time frame but like yeah. the support system who's around you and ultimately how you care for yourself what you do in your practice is what's most important out of all of this so what what mm-hmm. i would i my vision for the world you know eventually particularly our communities is the idea of us understanding ultimately what mental health really means for us and how that plays such a big role in who we are as people and our ability to feel good and do good ultimately yes I hear that, Gabby. <laughs> that We're definitely going to need her contact information to give to our yeah, listeners. Yeah, I was just about to, to, um, I was just about to um, say that because I know Gabby, you know, she's a busy woman <laughs> helping all these people. Me too. But yeah, so um, for our listeners out there, if anybody wants to, you know, check out um, Gabby's page, you can check her out on IG. Her handle is gabrielle.gj.jackson, and that's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E dot G-J dot Jackson, J-A-C-K-S-O-N. And that's, you know, you could go to her IG, check out her posts and stuff like that. She does um, do work with... um, immigrant population especially black immigrants she like um as stated previously she is co-founder and co-executive director of the undocumented black network and she also has a private practice that she spoke about the diasporic healing llc so you could check her out on ig and we just want to say thank you gabby for having this conversation with us because um, it's needed, especially in our, needed. in our community. It is really needed, and um, we hope that you know this conversation helps at least one person who listens. You know, if it helps one person, to me, it helps a lot more people because then that one person will spread the word, and the word would just keep being spread. Yeah. You know, 
Thank you so, so much for having me. I, I just, I really, I really appreciate y'all inviting me to be part of this conversation today. You know, as you can hear, I have a little bit of passion behind it. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Okay. When, when, when you have passion, that means that it's going to do great things because you know the value that you bring to what you're doing, and can't no one take that from you. And if it means you, like I said, if it means you help one person, that one person will spread the word. Yeah. And you, you'll see, you know, you'll see all of your your goals, your dreams, and all of that manifest. And um, your one little idea that you had sitting down somewhere in a corner is going to be something huge. And it's going to help how many hundreds to thousands of people mm-hmm. you've done what you were supposed to do. Yeah. Yes, this was an awesome conversation. I'm so glad that you were able to have this conversation with us. You know, I'm I'm glad we appreciate it. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, as always, we'll see y'all next time, same place, next week, 8 p.m. You know how we do. And you've been listening to Big Chat. With Mola and Rini. Bye, guys. Check us out. Big Chat with Mola and Rini. Dropping every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Hey, guys. It's Rini. Just wanted to let you know you can follow us on Instagram at Big Chat WMR and on Facebook at Big Chat with Mola and Rini.